So we'll look at that when we do the intro yeah, and then yeah, we'll yeah. just look at each other. Yeah, right. fine. No, I prefer to look at your face though. What the fuck? Um, well, I've just driven two and a bit hours up here. You didn't you? look at me while you were driving, you silly bastard. Well, no, because if I'd have looked at you while I was fucking driving, so I'd have crashed. So what the fuck are you about my fucking face when you haven't looked at my face for two fucking hours? Because look at that face. Yeah, beautiful, handsome. What, what a beard, not even trimmed it today. Do you think you're MJF or something? Yeah, like, fuck God's yeah. Gift. Are you going to tell yeah. me there's not a woman on the planet you couldn't pull? Uh, Although actually, with the barmaid last night, yeah, 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 I haven't heard anything yet. I haven't heard anything yet. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, she's planning what she's going to say, mate. That's why. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs>
that there aren't some great things that we're not going to mention. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my long list is 40 films long. I knocked that down to 10 and then had to pick five from that. So it's, it's a horrible thing to try and do, uh, to trim it down. But, you know, I came up with five that I was happy to say are my favourites, essentially, which is what it comes you, down you to. You did kind it? of give us a bit of a ground rule as well yeah, exactly. you know, on, on what we could accept or what we couldn't accept in terms of straight-up comedy. Exactly. So, you know, that, that helped but also hindered it in places. Indeed. But, you indeed. know, it's, it is what it is. Because, yeah, so, yeah, to clarify then, so I said to Fluff, we've got to go for straight comedy, something that's pitched as a straightforward comedy, not something, well, we both went Shaun of the Dead, didn't we? But we've discounted that, A, because I'd rather discuss that on its own, mm -hmm. as part of a Cornetto trilogy episode sure. or yeah, something. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, but also, because it's not just a straight-up comedy, it's a yeah. rom-com, it's a zombie flick, you know? There's, it's not just pitching at that main demographic. So, see what you think. I'm sure I break my own rules as we go through this, and I've picked shit that actually doesn't qualify as straight comedy, but mm -hmm. we'll see how we go. So, do you want me to start? Or yeah, do you no, start? no, no, you start. You go, you oh, go. no, we have news. Do we have news? Here's me getting ahead of ourselves. We had news. We were going to, well, not news, not but news. we were going to have a little discussion. We're going to have a little discussion. Well, yeah. Let's do our little intro discussion. So, we're going to talk a little bit. Um, if you want to skip on, if I can be bothered, I might put timestamps in for where you can skip past this bit. But we're going to discuss the Mandalorian. We've seen up to episode four, yeah, four I believe, at this point, at yeah. time of recording. So we're going to discuss the first four episodes, but we will try our damnedest not to be spoilery. Mm -hmm. I say looking at him with very serious eyes. Um, so, uh, I've got a very good. I, I don't ruin stuff for people that much anymore. I know. It's just I realised after the Alien one, like Alien Covenant was only 2017. Maybe I shouldn't have gone quite so deep on that one or should have issued you a massive spoiler warning. I always go balls deep, yeah. mate. So... Let's let yeah. Let's have a little chat about Mandalorian. Sure. Uh, so I'm 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 loving it. I'm so. absolutely freaking loving it. Um, you know what? It was one of those ones where I was hoping that it would be good and genuinely hoping that that we're going to pull something out of the bag because yeah. we've we we all know the latest film trilogy has been substandard at best uh, in terms of fan appeal. Mm -hmm. They have done a service to the fans in this one. Now I know a little bit more about the Mandalorians and things like that as we've cool. discussed yeah, yeah, because I've seen the animated stuff, I've seen the Clone Wars, I've seen Rebels so I knew a little bit more about um, you know that culture, uh, the, the you know everything that kind of involved with their I don't know, their, their whole mantra of their warrior lifestyle. Yeah, so their the, the sort know, of mythos that goes behind yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, so Whereas I didn't, I don't know any of that mm -hmm. and I strictly approached it as, well, I'm not going to read up on this stuff, mm. because as far as I'm concerned, as a new viewer to this, you, you've got to educate me on these guys, mm. you've got to tell me about it. and to be fair, that's coming, mm. particularly the fourth episode, I feel we yeah. pulled back another nice layer yeah, yeah, yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. I think, because, you know, I had criticisms of the first episode uh, in terms of tone, You did. in yeah, terms yeah. of tone, because there is a lot of death in the first episode, even though it's not injury detailed and all this sort of stuff, and you don't see the blood and gore, people are dying. Mm -hmm. And there are at least 50 people that die in this episode, yet we're pitching this at a PG. I've got to be honest, I was sat watching the episode last night, I ain't give a shit about those arguments anymore because of the I show. Expected it's that just so fucking change. good. Yes. And it's, I, I even realised last night, it's not doing anything dramatically 
uh, like the the episode setup for episode four. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to say what it is, but you know what I mean. Yes. The, the setup and the flow of yeah, that yeah, episode yeah. is something I have seen yeah. in Stargate SG One, Correct. in Star Trek, yeah. probably Stargate Atlantis. Yeah. It's a sort of sci-fi trope episode, mm -hmm. really, to do. But damn, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I love seeing Gina Carano. She's yeah, she really, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I'd Ooh, love her. To, I'd love WWE to sign her just for a little bit because mm. she's a fantastic actress mm. and she's got the MMA and action chops to go with it. Mm. I just think she'd be so pissing good, but I worry that she'd like put the rest of them to shame because yeah, she yeah. can talk. Stop. I'm going to get a different pen for the next mind. one. Sorry, Jesus Sorry. Christ. I don't know what this is doing on camera either. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it yeah. and and. It's it's like a new. It feels old but new, mm. like because I I know I'm in the Star Wars universe, mm. not the Star Trek universe, um, and I do honestly. Um, so it, it you've got that that warm fuzzy sort of comfort feeling of being mm -hmm. in a place you recognise, you know, in a world you recognise. But then with these new characters, is <sighs> do. Mm, can we get away with mentioning the the asset? The asset. The asset. We'll just call it the asset. We'll then. call it the asset. Because I do think that if you're any sort of social media bunny, yeah, you'll know what the asset is. Yeah. But at the risk of people not being social media bunnies, mm -hmm. because the streaming service doesn't come over here until March, thirty first of March, mm -hmm. does it? You you know that's when it's going to kick off in this country, I think, and then we'll see all the memes and stuff then over here and the news and that. Um, but yeah, the asset is incredible, and that's such a good hook yeah. for the series as a whole. And yeah. then it, you know, it then goes on to play with it. I, there's one of the episodes where I thought, oh, okay, we're not, that isn't the point of this then. We're not going to watch this asset and this guy go along and do this, that, and the other. We're doing something else. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, it does come back to where you think it's going to go to, and that's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean it's predictable. It means you've set up something and you're paying it off. You know, sometimes predictability isn't because you're writing a basic story or you're doing something substandard. Mm -hmm. It's because you've set up and foreshadowed things that are going to pay off later on. Yeah, most definitely. And, and that doesn't make it, that. you know, predictability, that isn't, that is foreshadowing. Yeah. That is good script writing. I would have seen that, you know? I think, within the first few episodes. We've mm -hmm. seen things which we won't necessarily see pay off in the next episode. But certainly by the end of the season, mm -hmm. there will be consequences for yeah, certain actions. The acting has been fantastic in it. Um, you know, Pedro Pascal as, as the is. Mandalorian. As, a, as an actor, and they turn around and go, by the way, we're not going to show your face. Yeah, at all. At all. Literally, you're going to wear a helmet throughout the entire thing. I mean, Tobey Maguire can get away with like five <laughs> minutes without ripping his fucking Spider-Man yeah, mask off. This guy it. has just gone, fair, I'll do it. Yeah, and he's fan-fucking-tastic in yeah. this. Um, the, the, the fact that people like Dave Filoni, who I know from the animated stuff, mm -hmm. he, know, he knows this world yeah. so very, very well. Just the little nuances of just when they're walking into dingy bars and stuff like that, and in the, you know, the, the back streets and stuff like that, how, how dark it is and, and rustic and mm. how that all looks is absolutely spot on. Yeah, and I mean, that's another thing to say, I think, is the, the set design and, mm -hmm. the, you know, it looks like real sets to me. Yeah. It doesn't look like CG bollocks that we would have seen in the previous. The one thing I was going to say, the lack of CG in this for me is, is huge. And it looks pretty good when it is, because yeah, there's the whole thing is. with the big beastie things early on. Yeah, yeah. And they look yeah, really, yeah. really good. Yeah, and uh, yeah. there's a sequence with his, you know, someone gets their arm trapped in its mouth and it's flinging them about. And mm -hmm. I was like, huh, that's, that looks really good yeah. for a a TV show yeah. at the end of the day, you know? Obviously there's a massive budget behind it because it's Disney, but you know. 
But that's the thing, I think in this case they put a budget behind it, knowing that this was going to be the first Disney Plus new series. There's something that they can shine a light on and go, have a look. I mean, the, the, the you know, subscription count for Disney Plus has shot up the roof yeah. already because yeah. of it. They had expectations, they've already broken those expectations. Mm -hmm. Understandably so, and we're we only half. I mean, we're halfway through. It's a, I think it's an eight episode I think it's season. Eight episodes, yeah. So the fact that we're already halfway through, and I am itching at the bits. Oh yeah, like I said, but new episode on there. I want it. You are aware that it's already been picked up for season two. Oh good, good, good. Just, just to, just to reaffirm that for you. Excellent. Just so that we all know that we're further down the line. But nice. uh, yeah. So, so yes, I, if you're not watching it, watch it if you have the ability to. If not, wait till March and then I'd suggest watching it because yeah. I think it's fantastic. Hopefully Gav that we didn't rue that enough for you. Yeah. We tried. So <laughs> into our main topic then. Where do you want to start or shall I start? No you start. You start. I'll start. You start. Okay. You start. So yeah I had a, a long list and I've actually got notes on a film here that I'm not even going to discuss because <laughs> I uh Spinal Tap, this is Spinal Tap. Yeah, was we, discussed. One of the ones. we discussed. I wrote two pages of notes on that and then actually realised that it it was number six, it wasn't even five, so I've had to go back and, and rejig it a bit. So let's have a look. We, you see, in order, in order, I'm going to start with this one. So, again, as we were looking through, you know, when I was putting a long list together for this, there were certain actors, actresses, certain uh, uh, directing duos, mm -hmm. writing teams, mm -hmm or groups together, I was like, you know what, I've got to have one of their things in there. Yeah. And Monty yeah. Python is one of them for me. I yeah. love Monty Python, I always have. It was the first sort of random stuff I saw, and it really connected with me, because I'd not seen anything that was like that. It was all quite structured, whereas, I mean, it's not the structure, it's the randomness of the comedy, yeah. and the, the, the elements they pick on. So, I'm sure a lot of people are screaming, Life of Brian! Life of Brian! I like Life of Brian, got no problem with it. I like Holy Grail, got no problem with it. But for me, I think it's just because of the when I saw it and how much it impacted me at the time, Meaning of Life mm -hmm. is the one for me. Monty yeah. Python's Meaning of Life from 1983. I like to say, I, I think when you look at the three main Monty Python comedy films, mm. You've got Life of Brian, which is very much a narrative experience. It's, right, yeah. You know, there is a proper plot line running through it and the comedy is sprinkled throughout. Mm -hmm. Holy Grail, the narrative is still there, yeah. but there are certain sequences like the Black Knight, the Knights Who Say Knee, which strike me as being sketches mm -hmm. that have sort of been crammed in there a little bit to try and yeah, fit I, in I, I with the narrative, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We're, just, we're going more towards that. And then by the time they did Meaning of Life, they just went, right, let's have a flimsy narrative thread of going through the stages of someone's life. Yeah. And we'll just pitch a load of sketches around it. Mm -hmm. And I, again, maybe that's why it gels with me. I don't know. But I, yeah, that's my favourite. And I mean, the, um, <laughs> again, I, if the problem with writing these is you just find yourself wanting to reel off lists of, of, of gags and sequences. Oh, I know. It was stuff, very hard you know? not to make lists of, of the running jokes. And this is, this is what made me decide on this one. Because when I think about it, yes, I know the, you know the, your mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberries and all that from uh, Holy Grail and various other bits. But do I need to stop? Nope. Okay. But you um, then find... I found that the, the bits were sticking with me mm -hmm. were things like a sequence called Find the Fish. Um, and there's a whole sequence in... So yeah, there's a sequence in a restaurant mm -hmm. with a character called Mr. Creosote. 
who's just this huge fat man, he walks in and he's like, oh, I want everything. And oh, just God, orders yeah, everything yeah, yeah, on the menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then starts being sick. Yeah. And then, I'm oh, gonna be a bucket. And then there's a lady cleaning up the sick while he's being sick on her. And he finishes his meal and then John, <laughs> John Cleese, I've just always forever had him in my head going, but sir, it's just a wafer thin meat. It's just a wafer thin meat, sir. And of course that makes him explode. And then there's a bit straight after that, as they're cleaning up from that, Eric Idle comes up to the camera as a waiter. It's like, hey, hey, do you want to see something? Follow me, follow me, come on, come on. And this sequence goes on for about five minutes of you just following Eric Idle down streets, through countryside, loads of, and then he just leads you out to the middle of nowhere and there's this house over his shoulder and he's like, you see that, you see that? It's where I grew up. What? You don't like it? Well, fuck you! Fuck you! And he just walks off the camera and I'm like, this is, this is the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I think that's what it is for me because I was so young that, that seeing this sort mm. of completely ridiculous stuff just, I, just tickled me in a way that I'd not been tickled before by comedy, I think. Um, I, I always remember there's a bit at the beginning where they're doing live organ transplants and Eric Idle uh, takes a woman off into a, well, comes out of a fridge, I think, and then starts singing a song with her about the progression of life and stuff. But I always remember the last line in it is, you better hope there's intelligent life somewhere out in space because there's bugger all down here on Earth. And uh, it just, again, lines like that stick with me. And I, I, I think that's why that particular film makes it, for me, for the Monty Python stuff. I, it, up until, probably up until a week ago, I, I was going with Holy Grail. But uh, the, it's, it's as we discussed briefly when we kind of touched on a couple of these, like our tastes have changed dramatically as we've matured. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, not, not, not matured too much. Yeah, I'm going to say. But, you know, as we've gotten older, certain tastes, certain films, appreciations of things like completely change. You look at one thing that you used to think, you know what, well, that used to be my least favourite, and then suddenly you flip it on its head and it turns out, actually, I love that the most. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's the little nuances that you didn't recognise when you were younger. You rewatch it and you go, oh shit, that's hilarious. That's it. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think I think back to those and I'm like, because Meaning of Life I found myself, mm. Holy Grail, Life of Brian, I was told to go and watch because they were great examples. And like I said, I adore both of them, but for some reason that one mm -hmm. sticks in my head and, mm -hmm. and therefore makes it to number five for me. Yeah. Go on then. Okay, so for me, um, my first one, again, in a similar vein of, you know, thinking of, of actors, directors, people that I remember watching films of and just thinking, fuck me, that's hilarious. Mm. So in this case, I picked a John Hughes film yep. with Steve Martin and John Candy playing Strains and Automobiles. Yeah, which was on my long list. Easy. Yeah. Easy on my long list. Probably in my top ten, I think. Yeah, I mean, this was... Uh, I struggle between... I struggle... I think I would have chosen either that or another film that you're going to come to later. Yeah, more than likely. But... Uh, <laughs> not that we've cheated this, this week and, uh, and we had to refer to each other just in case. Oh, we did refer to each other just in case. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just... You know, I'm just we always have to. Saying to, to you know, the, the folks at home. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, this was uh, one of the... It's hard to remember some of the films when I was younger because I had a massive, massive video library. Like, well, as we discussed before, I had a massive video library when I was growing up. Mm. So I had my access to so many fucking films. But this was one of those gems. Now, I love the late, great John, great John Candy. I mean, the, yes. the guy was fucking phenomenal. And I just look at... Like I said, when we were looking through the list, I was like, I can't have John Candy. No, exactly. I mean, you look at the body of work that he did, and I just think, Jesus Christ, if you'd still been around, what could you have done after that? 
the way he plays off with Steve Martin is absolutely fucking fantastic. Yeah, there's, there's no chemistry like that, was there? No, no, there wasn't. But that's the thing. To begin with, you know, you've got um, so you know, just uh, look at my nose. So you've got uh, you know, Steve Martin is kind of an account executive, whereas you know, John Candy's just a shell curtain ring salesman. They could not be more polar opposites. One is a very straight laced executive. Yeah. The other guy is a bouncing around the country salesman. Yeah. And it's just the interplay between them. One guy takes everything very, very seriously. He's, he's urgently trying to get home for Thanksgiving to see his family and all the trials and tribulations he goes through. And you just the other guy is just kind of like laissez-faire, just going through life. Obviously, as we go along, we learn a little bit more about him and we learn that his life doesn't necessarily seem as rosy and peachy as it is. Yeah. But it's the interplay between the two of them, all of the silly things. Um, you know, it's... Uh, just having a look here. Yeah, trying to board the same plane diverted you to bad weather. Fine, there goes the plane out the window. Okay, we're going to board a train. Okay, we're, we're going to separate now. We're going to get on a train. I'm going to go this end of the train. You're going to go that end of the train. We've had a bit of a disagreement. Okay, fine. Oh, wait, the train breaks down. He sees him carrying his case and he's like, he wants this over, picks it up and helps him carry it and stuff. So already, already you can see a bit of a camaraderie between the two of them. That was, that was it for me when you see that even though this guy looks up and he's just like, he's not going to come help me. He walks over and he helps him pick up the case and you're just like, because there's a bit of good in you. And, and there is a similarity to the mm -hmm. pair of you. Um, you know, when they're trying to get some money, they're trying to raise some money because at this point, you know, John Candy's character doesn't have any money to get a train ticket. So he then starts selling his shower curtain rings and I mean that's the, it's just hilarious because he you know he's, well, this he sells in the first a, place a shower curtain ring salesman yeah exactly what? exactly <laughs> and, and he then he's just like ooh look at these ooh earrings what the fuck <laughs> what the hell and he sells it to like to this little teenage girl yeah, and I'm yeah. just like again it's just the salesman there of him uh, that he can sell anything to anybody um, the fact that they then finally finally get into a car or you know they, they have it again and fall out and then what they go there their separate ways and, and there is the bit where you know Steve Martin goes back to the rental place because he's gone out in the sticks he's gone to the, the where the car should be it's just an empty space yeah he then has to lug all of his shit all the way back, he has to walk all the way back to from the terminal because the bus is gone. Mm -hmm. So he walks back there and it says, I want a fucking car right fucking now. And you can just see his tension is slowly building up. And then John Candy arrives there to help him out and drives. I'm not going to go too much into it because, I, you know, it's, it's one of those films that I love. The sequence that always sticks with me as well is the one where they're driving and they, they go between the two buses, yes. uh, the two trucks. Yeah, and that, oh, oh, that God. that's where, so John Candy's sitting there, Steve Martin's asleep, and then he's sitting there and then suddenly mess around comes on the radio and he's just like closing his eyes yeah. and he's just playing the piano and doing it and, and then, yeah, suddenly goes down the wrong side of the street. Yeah. But it's also that vision of when they're sliding down the middle of these two trucks. That's what sticks with me. Is the visual Steve, image Steve of Steve Martin faces. just looks over and then John Candy just turns into the devil just laughing at him. And it's yeah. just like, what the fuck just happened? And I'm sure there's a bit where they're, uh, they're skeletons. Yeah. And, and they're just going, ah, yeah, 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 skeletons yeah, yeah. and stuff. And it's, oh, it's so funny. That's um, I love that. And that's it. I mean, they, they carry on. They, they share a hotel room. They have a little bit of a tiff, but then they also kind of find a bit of a kinship together, um, you know, and then it's just like the next day they're driving down in this completely burnt out car by this point. Completely burnt out, no roof, no windows, no nothing, literally an engine and a couple of chairs. 
and then they're driving down completely wrapped up with all their winter gear and then they get pulled over for like, by the police and they're still smiling like, hi! Oh. Yeah. And it's just that image. Uh, for me, just, yeah, it was quintessential 80s comedy. Yeah, absolutely, me. absolutely. And like you say, it's that old thing of these two guys, chalk and cheese, yeah. what's gonna happen? And it, you, you know, you still see it now. I had, uh, 21 Bridges has just been released and that's the same thing. Sienna Miller's straight laced cop. Mm -hmm. um, what's his name? Black Panther. Chadwick Boseman. Thank you. Chadwick Boseman is a is sort of a, a rogue a cop who likes to pull his gun out at every opportunity, so he's very different to her. And it's the chalk and cheese and how do they go? So it's still a trope we use now. But it, it, yeah, it j can just be used in so many different ways. And those two, oh, God. That's it. You, you look at so many comedy duos, mm. and sometimes you, you, know, you look at this shit these, these days. As we've discussed, comedy seems to have kind of taken a backseater. Mm. very much these days like you you don't get the stuff that you, you did back then mm. but instant chemistry between two great actors of the 80s yeah absolutely i totally agree i'd say that one would have been on my my long list uh, would have been on my top 10 i think mm. definitely over to you over to me so which one should we go for next uh i think that one's got to go number two okay so for number four then Spaceballs, mm -hmm. okay. 1987, <laughs> Mel Brooks, because again, another. here's another one, <laughs> Mel Brooks, yeah. I was like, I gotta have a Mel Brooks, yeah. I love Blades and Saddles, you know, Frankenstein's called even silent movie that I hadn't heard about until about 10 years ago that I went and watched, you know, I, I love it, and I love his, his take on the parodies, and how he does it, so Spaceballs is a parody of Star Wars, for anyone that doesn't know, if you and by the way, with all of this, the reason we're trying to stay spoiler-free is because we want you to go and watch these. We don't know how old you are, people listening to this. There could be youngsters. If you've not seen this stuff, go and watch it, please, because it is pissing hilarious, and I will guarantee you now that it's funnier than any of the Hangover films, okay? Go and watch it. Just to check, it is Star Wars, not Star Trek, yeah? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Yo, I nearly wrote Star Wars slash Star Trek parody, mm -hmm. and then I was like, no, I don't actually think... No. I can't think of any Trek references no. in there, so no. we're just going to stick with Star no. Wars. Just, just making sure. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> but again, so this is, yeah, it's a parody. There's a, a, a druish princess who gets kidnapped by... Uh, or um, is running away, and um, her dad wants... Lone Star, Han Solo, to pick up uh, his daughter and return her to Druidia. Um, he owns some money to Pizza the Hut, who is brilliantly voiced by Dom DeLuise, which is something yes. I never realised. Yes. And again, he was in here, and he, I, I love the Cannibal Run movies, mm -hmm. both of them. And he, him and uh, Burt Reynolds mm -hmm. are another duo that I could just watch all day. Their interplay in those films is incredible. Um, I, oh, I'm going to kick myself for the rest of my life for not putting cannibal run in here but that's fair enough we'll do that another day um i just again the humor is because it's not just the star wars parody stuff yeah. it's you you've got fourth wall breaking which is hilarious there's a sequence where they try and find out what the, the goodies are doing so they get the vhs tape yeah. of, of the, the film, film. <laughs> and put it on so that they can find out what they're going to do next yeah. and the, it's um rick moranis and george Winter or Wint Winer? Wint Wint no, I'm sure there's not a T in it actually. It's George W Y N E R, I think, or maybe there is a T. Anyway, him. Those two. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of sequences. Um, that there's a bit that I've written down the asshole sequence, but there's a bit on the ship with with the word asshole that that plays out, and it's how quick Rick Moranis and George 
Weiner are at, at just playing the, you're batting the ball back and forth, building the comedy through it, and how quick they are with their responses. Mm. And it's that sequence with the VHS because Rick Moranis is going, but when when was that? Was that now or is this then? And when will then be now? And he's just, uh, you know, George Winters is firing back at everything he's saying with the perfect answer. And he's like, but when will there be now? And he's mm -hmm. like, soon. Mm -hmm. And then they turn back and it's like, yeah. oh, it's so funny. You've got, um, I mentioned him before, but Michael Winslow, who's the, the black guy who does, used to do a yes. lot of the noises yeah, yeah, back yeah, in the yeah. day, Police Academy, he yeah. was in, which doesn't hold up as well as I thought it might. I did watch some it for do, this because I, I remember them really you know, fondly. A couple do, not all of them. I realised that it's there's a couple where the team is... I like the team of people in them because you've got to have the weird voice guy yeah. and you've got to have Michael Winslow and then I always really liked the big uh, the, the big built woman that was uh, always a badass yeah, 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 you know yeah, yeah, kicked yeah, yeah. ass and stuff and then Lloyd Bridges being the captain so you've got to have that right mix in and Gutenberg so you've got to have yeah, the right mix in there portion for of a couple of them but they, yeah, yeah. the whole thing doesn't hold together as well as I hoped um, but he's in a sequence where the radar gets jammed mm. and I'm just going to leave that there because that in itself is a hilarious, hilarious sequence. Um, yeah, there's, I've written down, merchandising. What do you do here, yogurt? Merchandising. <laughs> what is it? Spaceballs the flamethrower. Spaceballs the toilet paper. And then throughout the rest of the film after that sequence, mm. everything is spaceballs the toilet paper, spaceballs yeah. the bread, the, the bed sheets, spaceballs yeah. the bed. It's so funny. And what is the line he says when they leave him? He's like, oh, well, God willing, we'll all meet up for Spaceballs 2, the search for more money. Yep. Uh, it's fucking brilliant. Oh, there you go. There's your Star Trek reference. The search for Spock. Um, so, the uh, in this, and um, comb the desert. That's another sequence. I want you to comb the yeah, desert. Yeah. Again, go and watch yeah, it. Yeah, just watch it. That's hilarious. Um, Bill Pullman mm -hmm. as Lone Star. Mm -hmm. Love him. Think he's great. John Candy, so this is where my John Candy comes in. Um, he plays Barf, the Chewbacca of the group, if you like. Um, and I didn't realise until this time that Joan Rivers voices the robot Doc Matrix. Really? Yeah, man, oh that's God. Joan Rivers voicing that. Jesus. Um, and then you even get an alien parody at the end yes. with actual John Hurt coming back for his alien yeah. parody, which we probably mentioned in the alien episode, so sorry. Yeah, I think we talked about its influence. Uh, exactly. I think one thing, I, I mean, you know, it's fantastic. That's what it is. It's a Star Wars parody. Don't watch it if you haven't seen Star Wars because you probably won't get some of the references. But I would argue that Star Wars is enough in the, the modern zeitgeist of pop culture. Oh, most definitely. Still, that you probably could watch it. And because you've seen the pop culture reference points that it's picking on, you'll probably get it. Mm -hmm. And like I say, some of the comedy isn't about that anyway. It's, it's the comedy built around it. Um, but there's a bit I noticed, and, and this is just me... I don't want to say hack theory because that's gimmick infringement for some another YouTube channel, but I've got a theory. Mm -hmm. It might sure. be bunnies. Um, there you go, Buffy reference for anyone that wants that one. Um, the Buffy musical. Oh, okay. It's I've been got a, very, a theory. It's it been a very, be very, very long time since I've watched any of that. That's Anya. Very, very long time. Because okay. Anya hates bunnies. Okay. It's in the musical episode. Oh, come on, the musical episode. No, no, yeah, it's been a very, very long time. You know, yeah, like I know, but the only reason I don't suggest the Buffy episode is because we probably have to watch most of it again because I don't remember it, and there's some great episodes, but I'm not watching there's, that There's a lot of tribe there as well. I think what I might do is look up the Joss Whedon-directed episodes because there's one, uh, The Body, where her mum dies. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. Uh, Hush <laughs> is another one yeah, where yeah. The, the voiceless villains yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. There's some great episodes in there. Anyway, digress. Um... 
there is a bit where they're coming into land and his call sign as Lone Star is Eagle 5. In Independence Day, Bill Pullman's uh, president, yeah. when he's in his plane and goes off for the final battle, is he Eagle 5? Uh, I think he is. Uh, I think he's Eagle 5. You'll have to find out and let the, exactly. everybody know, know that that is. But, hey, there's or, a, a pissing the comment interaction. section. Interaction. If you're watching this on YouTube, down there somewhere is the comment section. Leave us some comments. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. Am I right? Am I wrong? I mean, I think it is Eagle 5. Whether they did it deliberately or not, I don't know. But yeah, I, there's never any, head, any kind of ignorance did. for that kind of thing. You know, if they did it, they did it deliberately. Exactly. In my head, that's what happened. Okay, yeah. But yeah, Spaceballs, 1987, Mel Brooks. <laughs> Go on, watch it. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, right, so back over to me. Uh, right, so let's have a look. Okay, so I'm gonna pick. No, I'm gonna. You know, what, I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick with the '80s theme at the moment. Go I'm on. gonna stick with the '80s theme because we we we, we discussed this one. Uh, so another '80s film, Trading Places. Yeah, and that that's that very nearly made it to my top five because that's yeah. one of my favourites. I mean, this again, right? So you've got Dan Aykroyd. And Eddie Dan Aykroyd. Really? Dan, Dan Who's Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd? Is he? Is I'm still a little hungover. Give me a small <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to lean into the mic as I laughed there. That was probably horrible for any audio listeners. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, even Jamie Lee Curtis in this is yeah. actually quite funny in places. Mm -hmm. And you don't, you know, aside from say a fish called Wanda, yeah, you don't yeah, see Jamie Lee Curtis as chops in yeah, that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. So you know, this film is just straight off the bat hilarious because you've got. Dan Aykroyd being the completely snobby, uh, you know, rich Wall Street guy that basically has everything. I'm not going to say everything handed to him on a plate because we don't know his way. But he's got a very nice house. He's got a very cushy girlfriend, and you know he's doing very well in his job. And then you've got Eddie Murphy, who's basically weeding along on a skateboard, busking, you know, try, trying, trying his best just to get enough money for a meal. Um, and then the two brothers. Uh, the two brothers, which oh, are the, the Duke brothers, the Duke, Duke brothers, brothers. Um, and they basically they have the one dollar bet yeah. that they can turn that guy into that guy essentially. Yeah, which is the is it My Fair Lady where they try and turn the the the, the you know the high school geek into the well it's not high school is it it's an old yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. essentially try and take a poor person and make them look like yeah. survive in high society which has then been done. There's a oh, there's like a nineties comedy. It wasn't even that long ago. Is it She's All That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, so I remember the got, one. Because yes, yes, I remember yes. not another teen movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Takes the no, 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 yeah, out is it? She's all film, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, She's uh, all that. It's like modern redoing. That's it. That's and Sarah it. Michelle Gellar pops up in briefly. Yeah. That's the one. That's yeah, what yeah. I think of. Which, again, so it's a, yeah, a story we're familiar with. But again, yes. you, you take that idea of, I'm going to make this person that and that person that. Yeah. But we're now in the world of banking. And, yeah. we're, you know, as well, what you've got there is a black guy and a white guy. So that's an interesting dynamic in the first place. Yes, most definitely. And for me as well, the, the crux of this is that they got it right. Uh, so yeah, like I said, it's the fact that they get this right in the respect of uh, you, you don't suddenly have Dan Aykroyd suddenly being okay as a poor person. You don't suddenly yeah. get Eddie Murphy being okay as a rich guy. They both still have their issues with it. Dan Aykroyd suddenly has to deal with the fact that he has no money. His friends don't want anything to do with him. His girlfriend has moved on. You know, he tries selling his watch, he's like pawning it, and he's like, it tells the time in like four different countries, and they're like, it's going to be like $100. Yeah. Like, Do you know what watch this is? The guy doesn't give a shit. It's yeah. a watch to him. You've got Eddie Murphy, who's still unbelievably, completely 
devoid of any understanding of what's going on, just tries to steal everything in the house that he's staying in, thinking, I'm going to get booted out at Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it's like, no, 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 this is all yours. And then that understanding finally sinks in. And what is hilarious is they both end up doing quite well at the other's life. Mm. Eddie Murphy ends up being quite good at this future stock exchange. Yeah, yeah. All right, Dan Aykroyd kind of doesn't deal very well with being a poor person, but, you know, you suddenly have the bad Santa scene as well where he suddenly I don't know whether that short foreshadowed the film Bad Santa mm -hmm. but he comes in in a Santa suit and he's like waving a gun he's completely pissed he's putting fish like salmon into his ear and it's just hilarious <laughs> um, it's just so fucking funny and then again you know eventually the spin comes on that they kind of understand that they've taken on each other's lives mm -hmm. And they come together to kind of get the Doob Brothers back. I don't want to say too much more on that because, again, another film that I encourage people to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are so many quality 80s comedies. Like you say, around that time, because, again, I, I was always looking around that period. Like you say, Planes, Trains came to mind. Yep. Trading Places came to mind. Brewster's Millions, which I didn't realise was a remake until yep. uh, quite recently with Richard Pryor. Correct. Um, there's one with him and Gene Wilder. Uh, but one of them's blind and one of them's dead. Hear no evil, see no evil. That's it. Somebody brought that up to me yesterday. Oh, Somebody turned film. around and said that to me yesterday. I was like, so shit, that, no. oh, I yeah. didn't even think that's about it. that. That's it, isn't it like that? Because yeah. like, I, I list of 40 and yeah. still I'm going around and people are going, what about this? What yeah, about that? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. shit, I didn't write that one down. Yeah. Um, and what I love about this is the, the end bit as well on the train where they're all sitting around and they're trying to do these uh, foreign accents. It's like, ah, yeah, yeah. And he's just hitting himself. And it was just hilarious, uh, the guy, you know, ends up getting raped by a gorilla. And you just kind of dismiss that, and you kind of look back and go, the guy gets getting raped by a gorilla. <laughs> by a gorilla yeah, and then basically gets shipped off to another country. And he's just like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, but what I love, the fact that, obviously, Eddie Murphy's uh, connection between this and coming to America. Yeah, coming to America. Boomerang, that was another one. Uh, yeah, uh, is the fact that the Duke brothers, who end up broke, without giving too much spoiler away, broke by the end of this film, turn up in coming to America. I don't know it. Know don't know. Yeah, there you go. So there is a scene where Eddie Murphy's character, the Prince of Oh, that's gonna annoy me yep. now. Same it. Oh, that's really gonna annoy me now. It's alright, I'll shout to our top production team. Production team! Yeah, that's Production team! What country is Eddie Murphy from in coming to America? He's the king of what? Something or other? Oh, He's the oh. prince of cubic zirconia. He's um, the prince of You see, that's exactly it. Yeah, I know. Should have done your research. Yeah, I know, well, it, it just popped into my... You know, I'm going to Google this shit. Yeah, go, you. Go, 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 Google that shit. We're just going to get a, a I don't know whether you saw them on camera, but that was Wayne, uh, who is our usual editor, uh, as everyone knows. Um, so if you heard him, hello, that was Wayne. Um, and then also uh, Dave, who's Zamunda, Zamunda, Zamunda. There we the go. Prince Thanks, of Zamunda. Dave. Thanks, Dave. Um, uh, so that was Dave from our sister podcast, Phil and Dave's Excellent Adventure. Just a uh, so yeah, the fact that he's the Prince of Zamunda, and he is walking one day, and he just gives a, you know, he gives these two homeless guys a little bit of money busking on the street and I can't really, he gives them like a thousand dollars or like a million he gives them a ridiculous amount of money and then they look at each other and they're like yeah we're back and it's the Duke Brothers ah fantastic no, I didn't know that no, that's awesome you. awesome right. so he tied them together yeah yeah, yeah. There you go. right so back over to you okay so ooh see is putting a film from 2010 in your top at number two is that too much are people going to kill me for that 
it's your list, it's nobody it else's. Is your, it, is it is my your list. list. It is my list. And watching it the other day, I did absolutely wet myself again at some of these sequences. I mean, not literally. I don't know why I'm pointing, there's no stain. But, but audio I don't listeners, know why you're pointing at your crotch. I don't know, because we're actually on camera now. So if I do point at my crotch, people can see me pointing at my crotch. Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't do that. You're not doing like a so, DX kind of suck it. I'll go there. <laughs> wrestling throwback there. Wrestling throwback there. Yeah. Look at on the wrestling Go on, I'm going to go with this one then, because yes, I did watch, uh, yeah, the other one is going to go number two. So number three would be Airplane okay. for me. Yeah. Again, this was another team, yeah. Zucker Brothers and Jim Abrams, and I had to have something from them because I, I adore the Naked Gun films, apart from the third one, which is a bit shit. Um, but thankfully I discovered that actually those three guys didn't really work on the third one. They sort of bailed. And this is the other thing, as I was looking through it, I did bit of research on them all because Jim Abrams was a writer and then Jerry and David Zucker were the directors mm -hmm. and they did Airplane. They didn't do Airplane 2. They did the first two Naked Guns but didn't do the third and actually they sort of split off after this. There isn't really a huge amount more after mm -hmm. that they did together because I thought they did Hot Shots and actually only two of them did Hot Shots. I was going to say yeah. So because uh, like Jerry went off and directed was on his own. Charlie Sheen was at Hot Shots? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Hot Shots part two. Part two. Which again nearly made it into my list but I prefer I Airplane. I considered them but nowhere near the top. Yeah I prefer Airplane. But yeah they sort of split off and did things and unfortunately David Zucker ended up doing um, pissing scary movie 3, 4 and 5 because they brought Leslie Nielsen in hoping, mm. and Charlie Sheen, hoping that they would be able to do something with it and it just obviously never worked because it was shit. And uh, Jim Abrams wrote <laughs> 3, 4 and 5. By then I think uh, their, no, peak, their peak had been yeah, gone. They'd been and gone, yeah. absolutely. Um, however, I did discover that David Zucker directed Basketball, oh. which was Matt Trey, uh, Matt Trey, Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park fame. Uh, foreshadowing. Mm. Um, so yeah, obviously you've got Leslie Nielsen. I mean, uh, so just to backtrack then, if you don't know what this film is, it's a spoof of 70s disaster movies, as I understood it. There's uh, Airport 75 and then Airport 77, which I think was a Concorde. So they were, you know, disaster movies set on a plane that were very straight, very serious. Mm -hmm. In researching this, I actually discovered that it's based on a 1955, I think it was, film called Zero Hour. Mm -hmm. And actually in that film, the plot plays out exactly as it does in Airplane. Oh, okay. There's fish or meat. The fish is off. Half the crew, uh, half, most of the people eat the fish. All the pilots eat the fish. So they have to get one bloke out of the back to come and pilot the plane. But he hasn't flown since World War II and he had a really bad time there. So he's struggling with the PTSD of the situation and he has to come up and try and fly the plane while his ex-general is on the ground trying to talk him down but thinks he's okay. a bit of a failure, right. which is exactly yeah, the plot yeah, of Airplane. Yeah, that's it. I'm just like, this is sounding exactly. very reminiscent and I didn't realise, because I just thought it was a straight spoof of Airport 75 and 77, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, it's an absolute classic. The, the, the reason this makes my list is the sheer volume of gags. There is literally a joke every 10 seconds, whether you're aware of it or not, because you need to watch this film multiple times, because you've got sight gags going on at the same as same time as dialogue gangs. Mm. And then sometimes you've got background dialogue that you need to pay attention to because it's plotting maybe, and then a foreground gag going on. Sometimes you've got all three happening at once. It's fucking ridiculous, but hilarious. Because there's bits where um, Lloyd Bridges, I noticed this time, I've never noticed before, he plays the, the sort of airport, uh, the owner of the airport, whatever, running over the airport, 
and he walks over at one point to his desk and stands and pulls a pose and over his right shoulder there's a picture of him pulling that exact pose while stood at that desk. I've never noticed before but it's just that, that quick visual comedy in the background but you don't notice because he's doing his line that goes all the way through which starts with I picked the wrong week to quit drinking, mm -hmm. then gets to, I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue, and then goes on and on from there. Yeah. So he's doing that gag in the foreground, so you don't really look at what's over his shoulder, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, the jokes are relentless. So yeah, I, I, I could spend all day listening to jokes, but listing the jokes, but I won't. There's the classic Shirley, is, is probably my favorite from this. Yeah. Uh, twice that happens, and that's Leslie Nielsen. Of course. Um, playing it totally straight. There's the running joke of Ted Stryker, who is the pilot who gets called up to help out, who's dealing with the PTSD, explaining his backstory and what happened to him and how he lost his loves and what happened in the war and stuff to various people through the film. And one by one, they're killing themselves as we go back to from his flashbacks. The most hilarious one being the last one before he gets asked. There's a man who's literally just poured a can of gasoline all over himself, has the match in his hand, and Ted's like, oh, I don't know, do you think I can do this? Turning to the guy and he's like, <laughs> because he doesn't want to set himself on fire. But it's, there's, oh, there's a great gag with, um, there's a little girl who's um, really unwell on the flight and um, someone, one of the very nice air hostesses gets a guitar and he's going to sing a song to her. But uh, hilarity ensues while she's singing this song in the background. Um, what else have we got? You've got the runny jokes with the, like I say, with the, um, uh, the, the, I picked the wrong week to do this, to do that. The autopilot is a joke mm -hmm. all in itself, and when they have to reinflate the autopilot, that's brilliant yes, too. Yes. I recall that one. Um, yeah. I didn't realise until this time of watching, because he's not actually very good in it because he's not an actor, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is yeah. one of the co-pilots. Now that's just a name that's in my head, and I don't know why, it's just a name that I know because it's one of those no, you know, recognizable names. Yeah. Like, I think he's a basketball star. He was so a basketball looks player like back in. Um, and yeah, you can tell he's not an actor <laughs> when yeah. he's in it for a bit. But he has some quite funny lines, um, and he's quite amusing in it. But yeah, the thing is, the, the the other reason why I picked it is because it still holds up today. Mm. The jokes are not pop culture references that go out of date in five minutes. Mm. You know, because uh, I thought about something like um, Shrek. Have you watched the? Have you watched the original Shrek recently? Like oh, in the recently? last five years, no. Maybe. I would imagine not in the not, last five years. It probably. has not dated well, no. and it's because it's you know in the fight sequence that we all loved with Prince Fiona, it does the Matrix bullet time, yes. thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a reference yeah, yeah. for the adults, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, but that's dated. Now. That's dated now. Yeah. It doesn't. It, yeah, you're doing the Matrix. What do you do? You're doing a film that actually really not a lot of people talk about these days in a positive light anyway well, because no, but... the second two sort of trashed any goodwill the first yeah. one had built up I mean I watched the first one the other yeah. day actually and it's I know still that pissing brilliant as I think we've discussed like they're trying yeah, to they're bring that franchise well. back and, and, and bring I don't know how they're going to do that I'm, I'm curious myself because I don't understand how they can bring back people who are definitively dead yes um, um, it's not a good yeah anyway we're you, diverging from, from if you put from the architect in yeah, yeah. i am going to scream yeah um yeah that's that's maybe that's that's a because that's what i realized maybe that's a, the matrix trilogy is something that we could because let's face it i think we both would agree that we enjoy the first one we could i tear, love the first we could one. tear the shit out of the second two i like half of the second one i defend the second one up to the because it's got that you know what i'm like with practical vis effects and stuff mm. the uh the 
car chase yeah, sequence yeah, yeah, on yeah, the yeah, thing because yeah. they built the like freeway. 40 miles yeah, of freeway yeah, to yeah, play about yeah, on yeah. and you can tell mm -hmm. it looks so good yeah, yeah, yeah. and you, the whole fight on top of the truck I love the way they yeah, managed to do the that around exactly that and like yeah, hanging yeah. off the edge yeah, and then yeah, the camera yeah. flips up and you're on top looking down of yeah. a moving vehicle yet yeah, a man's flipping up in front of you yeah, yeah. like it's still a, yeah, it still gets yeah. me today so yeah slight like, side note but, you know um but yeah it, it the jokes in Airplane haven't dated. Mm -hmm. They are still as funny as they were in 1980 when it was released because of the, the reference material is still something we know, you know, and it's still... Because it's ripping disaster movies in general, yeah. not picking out a specific bit from a pop culture thing that it wants to reference to go, hey, look, this will keep the adults entertained. Yeah, see, now... I'm going to move on to mine now because we, we, we're talking about dated. Now, unfortunately, I mean, I put this on the list because I was like, you know what, I remember watching this. A particular person, now th this is a, an actor who, seeing this for the very first time, when I was younger, I was absolutely pissing myself. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is fucking hilarious. It's the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. you'll know exactly what it is, and that was Ace Ventura, Pet Detector. Indeed. Sadly, having recently rewatched this, <laughs> oh no, does it not hold up? This does I not hold up. Like the, the, like the first, the first one of the first things I put in here is the homophobia and transphobia is absolutely horrendous in this. Yeah, scene. you don't realise it now, but it's it's one of the funniest scenes in there. Uh, when he kind of twigs about things and then he's suddenly like, Ugh, and then sharing yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. But you kind of look back and go, oh fucking hell, that's wrong. Well, yeah. In, in some respects, it, it is. You know, it's, I mean, that's it's, the problem we're talking about. Not dated, the one you know. I'm going to come on to talk to talk about next yeah. is no one should be laughing at it. No, but you do, yeah. and you should because actually it's making a good point. But yeah. carry on. No, I mean, so I mean, you know, however as entertaining as it was, it, it doesn't necessarily hold up the test of time. But this is a guy, you know, Jim Carrey is is fucking phenomenal. He has. Bags and bags of fucking energy in this film. Literally bags and bags of energy. It was the beginning of Pete Carey. Really, it was, yeah. It? I mean, Pete Carey didn't last too long. I mean, until no, the serious time. That uh, mask. Mask. Ace Ventura 2. Yeah. Uh, and then he kind of did. I mean, Truman Show was kind of his foray into. Yeah, that was his trying to be a serious actor. Which yeah, I yeah, like yeah, that yeah. film. Yeah, and then he came, well, um, oh, God, Dumb and Dumber as well. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Brilliant. And um, again, the Farrelly Brothers. Yes. I, I, Felt I needed a Family Brothers in here, but nothing, yeah. nothing popped out at me apart from something about Mary, and that made it top ten maybe. But yeah. so the you know the crux of this character is he somebody who doesn't really interact well with humans, people. He interacts better with animals, and just the interplay that he's got. You know, he's he's rescuing like a dog from somebody's you know abusive ex and and stuff like this. And how is he rewarded? She doesn't have any money to give him, so she rewards him in sexual favours. Um, again, could you get away with that in comedy? I don't that, know. You know but I discussed that. We discussed that. We discussed this. Because it reminded yeah. me of that motherfucker through there, who uh, when he's doing the uh, oh, we're real friendly round here. Yeah, we're yeah. real friendly. Yeah. Oh, so oh god. Yeah, but it's uh, you know he walks into his apartment and he's like you know shaking the keys, so all of the animals hide and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And he walks in, and so I'm like, what what's he got? He's got like a skunk. He's got an otter, he's got a penguin, he's got birds, he's got dogs, he's got cats, he's got squirrels, raccoons, whatever. He, he's got fucking everything and all of his money basically goes on feeding all of these animals. Yeah, yeah. And so the crux of the film is that he has to try and find Snowflake, the Miami Dolphins mascot. And as soon as he kind of turns up on scene, as you, you know, on the crime scene, and he's like looking around at everything and he goes into the, you know, tub or, you know, the, uh, whatever you would call it, the... Uh, 
dolphin pit? Whatever the fuck it is. Where the dolphin would have actually been. Oh, the tank. The tank. tank. Yeah, yeah, the dolphin tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like aquarium tank. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, he's you know, he's fishing around there, and then he's just like. He's looking at stuff and, and talking as though he's like on Star Trek and stuff like this. Completely oh, hamming it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he with the, the with his yeah yeah yeah. yeah I'd so that all bit, those actually. little bits and then um, and then you know he's got all he got all the straight laced cops over here wondering what the fuck he's doing and he, he straight away comes out with a bit of evidence and he's like oh well did you know about this? Mm-hmm. Oh for fuck's sake you know straight away he's proving that he's actually a really good detective but. He doesn't give a fuck about the humans, mm. he gives a fuck about the dolphin. Um, so he's regularly talking to himself, playing the fool. You know, he talks out of his ass cheeks at one point. He's like, hi, hi, talk to my, uh, uh, how are you doing? And, all that. and it's just like, what the fuck? Uh, you know, completely ridiculous in front of all police officers and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, he, the little things as well, like uh, when he, you know, he interacts very well with Courtney Cox, you know, in this. Yes. Yeah, He's yeah. one of the few roles before she suddenly got into Friends and stuff like that. Yeah, know? I can't think of much of it. Um, I mean, when was this? 94? Did you write that? No, I, I didn't write that. I think it's 94. It sounds like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds Which is, like uh, Friends started September 94, because mm-hmm. it, yeah, and then ran yeah. for 10 years. So it was around that time yeah. that she was just about to go into that. Um, but yeah, it's just like the, the completely energetic sex scene in that. He's just like literally shaking and, and rattling, and then it's just like gives himself like a two second break, and then he's back at it again. Uh, it's just fucking hilarious. Like I say, it doesn't date all that well when you get to the bit of the reveal later on. I'm not going to say any more than that. Um, but again, the the scene where he goes to a mental hospital and he's like, God. he's got his hair quiffed up this way and he's he's wearing a pink tutu and a pair of boxing shorts. I'm open. I'm um, open. And then he's just like, coach! Okay, break time! And he just throws himself and you're just like, what is this? Uh, Again, just completely animated, very... And this is the thing, because a lot of people, I think, particularly the modern generation, may think that Jim Carrey was just over the top, he was too much. And it wasn't about how over the top he was for me, it was the enthusiasm and the energy he put into the performance that just grabbed me Mm -hmm. and drew me into it because yeah he was committed it was full commitment he wasn't asking for a crash mat to be put down so he could throw himself face first onto the floor he just fucking threw himself face first onto the floor because that was funny yeah you know he didn't need the rest the scene where you know they're dealing about a break-in saying oh yeah somebody broke in through this and they heard a scream and then he's just getting the door and he's just like ah oh god yeah uh, and then he just breaks down the whole thing. He's like, "Well, that couldn't have happened because that happened, yeah. and then that happened." And then he's just like, "Yeah, he's actually really, yeah. really, really good." God, um, I'd forgotten that slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. Um, but it's also a film where we got the like, memorable quotes from this. Like, how many people coming out were like, "Like a glove." Oh yeah, like a glove. Uh, you know, alrighty then. Um, you know, <laughs> alrighty then. Yeah, all yeah. those little things. God, I'd for- yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? It's those lines that stick in your head that made, and that's why I say when I was choosing some of this stuff, yeah. I thought back to what pops into my head first. Is it this or is it that? Mm-hmm. And you so yeah, uh, like I say, it, it may not have dated very well, but still very, very, very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and I know, think, it's, uh, you know, it's so difficult in the modern day with stuff like that. Is. And I think, I hate going, I hate, I don't see that you can go back and judge something from the 70s, 80s, whatever it might be by 2019 standards because you you have to understand that it just wasn't in place yeah. for better or worse yeah. i'm not arguing that point whether we should be more careful now or whether we shouldn't be it's not the point you you cannot judge a 1970s film 
by 2019 standards, standards because the standards that were in place in the 70s were different. Yeah. It was something different. Yeah. And that's the point. And like you say, you know, 2004, Shaun of the Dead, mm. every five minutes, gay, gay, gay. Yeah. And, you know, we're of that generation. Yes, I, I had to rework my brain to take gay out of my lexicon. It wasn't because I wanted to be derogatory. No. It was just that's the word that was in my head mm -hmm. for when something was a bit crap. Mm -hmm. And I didn't mean any slight against any race of people. It was just that's the word that was in my head. So I've retaught myself and now I say lame and instead. And this is funny because it may come back and, uh, you know, oh, shit, I didn't mean where, they, uh, where they talk about... The F word, yeah. uh, you know, there's the episode around that and then there's the association. So, you know, it, 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 it does play out. But, no, uh, but anyway, right, over to you for your So, number your second, two. Your second one. Number two for me. See, I rewatched this the other day. Um, uh, from 2010, I'm going with Four Lions. So, let me just, let me, let me spell this out for anyone who's not aware of the film Four Lions. It is a, a jet black comedy. Um, a satire. I, I would even go as far as to call it a farce, mm -hmm. to be fair. Mm -hmm. The way, when I was thinking of it, it's like, how could you describe this film to someone? Essentially, what I came up with is, what would happen if the Three Stooges tried to plan a terror attack in the UK? <laughs> okay, yeah. And that's the closest I can come. Yeah, and actually, I think that's pretty good. accurate assessment, yeah. That, it is pretty much pretty accurate, yeah, yeah. But there you go, there's the plot. So we are following a group of extremists who have, are in some, some flat somewhere in a northern town. I don't know. I, it looks a bit Sheffield's Leeds to me, so that sort of area. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where it is. I, I think it was somewhere in the north because they've all got northern accents, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they're, they're planning a terror attack. And that doesn't sound very funny. But Jesus Christ, is it? Because the, the, it starts with them trying to shoot a propaganda video. Mm -hmm. And that sequence in itself... Is, is enough to sell you on the, you know, if you don't laugh in that first 10 minutes, then stop the film. Because mm -hmm. you ain't gonna find any more laughs anywhere else because you're obviously not willing to laugh at the subject matter. And the point is that this subject matter is so ridiculous. The concept of it is so ridiculous. And we have this impression, I think, his point at the time was, we've got this impression from the media, from the police, from the you know, intelligence authorities, whatever, that these terrorists are very well organised, very well funded, they know exactly what they're doing and they could hit us at any time. Yeah. And then he kind of goes, well, yeah, but what if they're not all like that? <laughs> yeah. What if actually they're just tin pot idiots yeah. who think they, they can do something and then actually come? And that's sort of where we go with it. Um, uh, so we've got um, Riz Ahmed's the lead in it. Mm. Um, Obviously, I think it was probably the first thing I saw him in, actually, Riz Ahmed. But yeah, yeah, I don't recall seeing him. I mean, it's certainly he's fantastic in it. Um, Arsha Ali is another guy I recognised, because actually I've seen him in Line of Duty, a series of Line of Duty. Um, and there's also a... Again, comments, help me out. Um, the actor who plays Cotton in Line of Duty is in this, but I couldn't remember his name and I haven't had time to IMDb it. So he's in it as well, he's very good. Um, they're, they're led to start with by a white guy who was converted to Islam and his name's like Assam al-Britani and it's like what come on 
and he's going to all these extremist rallies and saying all this controversial shit. But there's a hilarious bit where he's putting over his controversial views. Someone just shuts him down and contradicts him, and he manages to fight his way out of it. He's like Donald Trump. Like, he just... No, I didn't do that. No, I didn't say that. You're wrong. This, this is what happened. Yeah. Because there's that bit in... There's a bit in South Park where Donald Trump's trying to teach Randy how to... Uh, sorry, Mr. Garrison's trying to teach Randy how to yeah. get out of a situation. Um, and it's like that. Just basically argue about, no, I fucking didn't. Yeah. What the fuck you said? I didn't do that. You're yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think my favourite sequence in it is... Um, if there's a bit where they... And I will do this one because I think you can probably do it justice on, on camera. But um, So apologies, audio viewers. You won't get the audio viewers. No, that doesn't work. Audio listeners. You won't get the benefit of this, but, you know, like we say, head over to the YouTube channel and actually have a look at the YouTube version. I don't know why I'm looking at this, I should be looking at that. Yeah, you do but keep looking at that. Yeah, I know, because I'm used to looking at the microphone mm -hmm. while we're talking. I'm not used to that thing being there. So anyway, uh, they, they haven't, uh, if they've been taught by this convert, the, the anti-surveillance face, so that you don't get caught on camera. <laughs> so they're just walking around taking masses of chemicals from the back of a van into some pokey flat upstairs doing this. And Rhys Ahmed sees him, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, oh yeah, he said it was the anti-surveillance face so we don't get caught on camera. He's like, fuck state, stop doing that, you fucking idiots. Oh, there's a character who, who essentially doesn't want to die. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to commit suicide. So he's trying to train crows, fit crows with suicide vests and then train crows to fly into a building. That's fucking brilliant as well. Um, uh, and then uh, flipping rubber dinghy rapids. That's all I'm gonna say, because that runs throughout the whole thing. Flipping rubber dinghy rapids, fucking brilliant. But yeah, so this film is by Chris Morris, which is why I love it, I think, because Chris Morris, for anyone that doesn't know, he was the man behind Brass Eye, yeah, Brass Day to Day. Uh, Nathan Barley, Jam, which was a really, really dark sketch show. I hated Nathan Barley. I never liked Nathan Barley. I you know what I realised the other day? Yeah. Nathan Barley was predicting the hipster movement. If you look at what they're doing, they're taking the piss out of what we would consider the hipster movement nowadays. And I, I, see, I know why you struggled with it, and I can see why a lot of people struggle with it, because it was always very dark, very nasty, and taking the worst possible look at something. And the lead character, Nathan Barley, was a twat. Yeah, but I and also you fucking hated him. hated the actor as well. I know that sounds yeah, weird, but no, I, I fucking totally hated understand. the actor. I really I totally didn't enjoy it. I went with it because I, you know, I was able to deal with it because I, you know, it's he's the person they're taking the piss out of. So although he's the lead, he's the one we're mocking mm. the whole way through this. He's the one we're laughing at, mm. not with, when he's doing this stuff. So I was able to go with it. Um, yeah, jam really affected me when I saw some of that. There's, I just, it, there's some specific sequences I remember from that, and there's one where a guy's outside a woman's house, and they, they do a spin on the, the whole boombox over your head playing a song thing, and he's trying to win her back, and he's got a wood chipper outside her, outside her house, outside her front window. He goes, I love you! I love you so much, I'm going to do this! And he jumps into the wood chipper, <coughs> gets chopped up and splattered all over her front window. I'm like, what? What the fuck is happening? He's, in my mind, he's a fucking genius, mm -hmm. and he's just, um, his most recent film is another thing like Four Lions, um, looking at the case of the, well, it takes inspiration from the case of the Liberty City 7 in America, which was a case where essentially it was discovered that the CIA or FBI, I can't remember, whichever one works in the homeland, so I know one of them's, a, one of them's international and one of them works on home soil. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the CIA, right? I don't think the CIA can operate on American soil. No. It operates outside. So they realise that the FBI are essentially paying people paying people money to make them look like terrorists so that they can then shut them down because the FBI realised it was far easier to create their own homegrown terrorists from you know what are essentially five-man cults who don't really know what the fuck they're doing and talking bollocks and uh, then arrest them for being terrorists after you've fitted them up for it. And there was this whole case, Liberty City 7, go and check that out if you're interested because it is quite an interesting story to, to see. Um, but yeah, he, he very much likes doing this stuff. He was also the boss in the IT crowd for a couple of seasons as well. He was very funny in that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to say too much more because it is absolutely hilarious the way the whole thing plays out. They're discussing where they're going <laughs> to... There's a bit where they're discussing where they're going to bomb and the British convert, the English white, white convert says, let's bomb a mosque because it will make everyone rise up. Mm-hmm. And Riz Ahmed's like, but that's like getting in the ring with a boxer and then just punching yourself in the face, isn't it? He's like, you're going to punch yourself in the face. Punch yourself in the face. Go on, punch yourself in the fucking face. Because that's what you're doing. You're punching yourself in the And just goes on at him for a bit. And there's a hilarious sequence with that. Um, one of them says boots. It's about boots. Or a kebab shop. Yeah. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. But these things then play through the episode. Uh, play through the episode. Play through the film and, and then get resolved in the end. But yeah, Four Lions, 2010, Chris Morris. Go and watch it. It's, oh, it's something else. If you like dark satire, mm. and uh, you know, it's it's really good, really good. I I've been forgetting actually. I've got the uh, the the good lady teacher her indoors stuff, uh, her comments. Um, I asked her about Four Lions. I mm. think that was probably her favourite. She she okay. loved the most through that. Yeah. Um, yeah, she said, I like that. It was really funny, but sad at the same time. <laughs> and it is. I think it's quite sad by the end. Um, yeah, she had a note about Airplane, which I didn't react to. We watched, when we first got together, I showed her Naked Gun, because I was like, oh, you've got to watch Naked Gun, because it's fucking brilliant. Um, so she was just waiting for Leslie Nielsen to come in and do the funny, basically, in Airplane, and obviously he's not quite front and centre as much. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't think that one played as well. She did have a, a comment on the... Uh, uh, my next one, but I'll, I'll save that for the next one. Okay. Yeah, Four Lions, 2010, Chris Morris, go and watch it. Okay. So my number two is a Kevin Smith film, which uh, it kind of, it was, it was hard to debate which of the Kevin Smith films, but this one still for me shines as the best of the bunch for Kevin Smith, which is Dogma. Yeah, I, I totally um, agree. I mean, when you look at the cast of this fucking film, it's ridiculous. I mean, it reunites him uh, with... Affleck, Jason Lee, George Carlin. I don't, no, I think this is the first film that George Carlin's in. I can't think. Uh, yeah, I he's, think he's, he's in. Uh, he's in Jersey Girl. Uh, oh, right, down the line. Okay. So that's why yeah. I say that. Uh, obviously, Jason Mewes returns as yeah. as, uh, as Jay. Uh, but you know, you've also got Matt Damon in there, Alan Rickman, Chris Rock, Salma Hayek, uh, Lily Fortier. I mean, what a fucking cast! Yeah, it is an incredible cast. Um, this for me was just fucking brilliant. I mean. One of the first intros to the film, you know, there's a little intro, and then it kind of cuts to, you know, Matt Damon talking to a nun about, you know, about God and religion and life and stuff like that, uh, and and he's talking about everything that, that, that has to do with God. And this is an angel who's actually been in the presence of God. He's yeah. spoken to him personally, yeah. uh, as Affleck's yeah. character puts it. 
and uh, <laughs> uh, and then he's just like you know, and then he's just talking about the Catholic Church, and he's just like you know, basically you've just got God waving a finger saying, "Do it, do it, or I fucking spank you," yeah. and you just like, and she's just like. Oh my God, what have I done with my life? And then she ups off and he's just like, take all that charity, man. Go and buy yourself a dress. Go and find a man or go and find yeah, a woman. Yeah, yeah. Just go and find something. And then it's just like, it's just like, I just love fucking with the clergy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, this is fucking brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and just walking away and they're just like, okay, fine. We're, we're, we're going to, yeah, they've been given a news article. They're going to find their way back into heaven. They've been ousted for heaven. We find out a little bit later why. So it then cuts to Linda Fiorentino's character, Bethany, uh, Bethany Sloan, who works in an abortion clinic, who's clearly gone through some shit in her life. She's been divorced. You know, she can't have babies and stuff like this. So it's pretty harsh. And then, so she's at home one night, just questioning the validity of her own faith. You know, why do I go to church anymore? Now, I, I was raised Catholic, so I can see a little bit more in this film than, you know, we've, we've discussed religion. No, yeah, yeah, I was, I was brought um, up C of E, but I... Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, Roman Catholic is a little bit different, yeah, a little absolutely. bit more harsher. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I didn't go to church, really, apart from Harvest. <laughs> yeah, um, so she's debating the, you know, the validity of her faith, and then suddenly the Metatron appears in yeah. her room in the middle of the night as a flaming fucking... And then she gets out a fire extinguisher, puts him out, and she's just like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I look at this and I just think this is still one of, hands down, one of Alan Rickman's best roles. And what I loved was, um, you know, obviously Kevin Smith and him got on very, very well making this film. And I love that when Alan Rickman passed away, um, Kevin Smith threw up a photo on his Instagram. And it's basically Alan Rickman with kind of his pants around his ankles because obviously he's got no dick. Yeah, yeah. And he's just literally laughing at himself with this prosthetic thing. And he just said, Alan Rickman, every time he just looked at it and he was just wetting himself at this, I was like, that's just fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, absolutely hilarious. It, trying to explain who he is. He's the voice of God. And he's like, fucking hell, if the film's not been made about you, Jesus, no yeah, more fucking yeah, people no want to know. Uh, so it's that, and then she's told, okay, right, you, you, I need you to go on this mission, stop a couple of angels getting into heaven. You, you'll, you'll have a bit of help, a couple of prophets will help you. And then eventually she's introduced to Jay and Silent Bob, who, for those of you who don't know, Jay and Silent Bob are recurring characters in the Kevin Smith films. Kevin Smith plays Silent Bob. Mm -hmm. Jason Mewes does not shut the fuck up in this thing, and rightfully so, because he's hilarious. Yeah, I think that, that's the one... I think that's one where because uh, I, I struggle with Muse at times, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Strike Back, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think that's because he was dealing with personal demons at the time, yes, so I don't think he was so. in yeah, time yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's the one that he's my favourite in because, like you say, he's just on it the whole, whole time. He's got got the patter down for that one. Um, so she meets up with Jay and Silent Bob, and she, you know, they drop in the word prophet, and she's like, "Fuck!" So it's these guys, you know. Be already being told that one of them's very silent and the other one will talk a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so she agree, you know, they agree. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll you know go on a trip to, to New Jersey with you after they tell her the reason why they're where they are because yeah. they're like, yeah, we were looking for Sherman and Illinois. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of John fucking Hughes. Doesn't fucking exist, does it? And it's no. just that play and uh, you know talking about that and saying you know it's nothing worse than watching a fat guy weep. Uh, and all that kind of shit, just berating each other. So they're on their journey, out of the, out of the sky pops the 13th Apostle, Rufus. Chris Rock, isn't it? Chris Rock has just suddenly drops from the sky. He's fucking brilliant. And that's it, and he's just like, you know, just like, hey, uh, yeah, yeah, of, co of course, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dead, I'm not the undead, I'm just, you know, I'm just here. And he's just like, 
Fucking hell, it's just hilarious. Straight off the bat, fucking hilarious. Giving the explanation as to, you know, well, yeah, you know, you're the last sign, because, you know, Mary and Joseph, like, what, do you think he wasn't going to get fucking laid? Like, you know, that suddenly the Bible goes from this age to this age, so <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, I'm the 13th apostle. And it just gives this whole, uh, you know, description about things. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he, what is this? Uh, yeah, oh, hilarious. So they're, they're talking out of movies, so they're getting some food with movies, movies which comes later. I can't remember the name yeah, of the, you know, yeah, the, the, the restaurant the, they go the, to. The restaurant they go to. And it's hilarious because they're sitting there and he's talking, and, you know, Bethany gets a bit pissed off and walks off, and he's just like, all right, so if you know all this and you're watching people, tell me something that nobody else knows. You masturbate more than anybody on the planet. <laughs> tell me something that I don't know. Yeah. When you do it, you're thinking about guys. And then Bob's just like, not all the time, man. <laughs> uh, that was just fucking hilarious. Yeah, Absolutely fucking hilarious. Um, so, you know, this carries on. So they go off, they meet Serendipity, Salma Hayek in a, a strip uh, strip club, and there's the Is whole scene the gol- there. Gol- the Golgotha gol- demon, the shit demon, yeah. which they managed to take out with an uh, Ooders out spray. Yeah, that's right. And it's just like, yeah, you, you've destroyed a shit demon. How? With Ooders out fucking <laughs> hair freshener. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Jason Lee is very good in this for what he is, but I, again, it's Jason Lee. I fucking love Jason Lee. Yeah, like he, he, he could be very much more in this, but as as the demon Azrael, he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Refuses to give away his plan because what is he a fucking James Bond villain? Yeah, I say, literally, I'm not going to spell it out for you, kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, the there's the train scene where they're getting drunk. They meet. Loki and Bartleby, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on the train, and then uh, eventually they figure some stuff out, and Bob throws them off the train, and it's just like very straight laced, you know, just whew, leans against the wall, lights up a cig, looks at the guy, and says like, "No ticket." Like one of the few things that he comes out with. Again, just the little nuances. Then we get to the final act, and you know, they're trying to, you know, save the world from annihilation, stopping them from going through the archway. Basically, you go, Matt, Matt Damon by this point is just like, oh, I don't know. Ban Affleck is just on one at this point, just wants to kill everybody, picking well, people up, and a, just throwing them. There's a sequence in like an executive office, isn't there? Where they yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, so they go into that because that's it. And Matt Damon's like, oh, you know, these guys who, who control movie, yeah, I want to get a bit of payback on them. So they go to the boardroom and they walk around the table, and it's just like, okay, these are your individual demons. Then whispers in a, one guy's ear, and it's like, He's your son, you sick yeah. fuck! Um, so you have no idea, but you can only speculate. And then they end up killing everybody, bar one person. She's lived a good life. Yeah, that's it. Um, so that... Uh, and I love at the time, when you think back now, like, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, they were serious actors at this point. Like, I know they'd worked with Kate Smith before and stuff, and they, they, they were obviously buddies and all that. But they were, they, yeah, they were serious. They, they come off of, like, And like you say, you've got him walking... Exactly, yeah. you've got him walking around going to someone's ear. Son, you sick fuck. <laughs> yeah. And it's Matt Damon. It's like, what? What are you doing? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Um, so, <laughs> so eventually, you know, get to the final act and they, you know, realise what they need to do. Still, you know, Armageddon is here. Bethany's agreed to uh, to fuck Jay if if the. Oh yeah, that's comes. right. And that's it. He's pulling down his pants. Yeah. And he's just like, he's like, what, you, you said you'd fuck me? Yeah. Um, brilliant, uh, you know, and then everything kicks up. not going to say too much, still encourage everybody to watch it. Uh, but, you know, we suddenly learn God is a woman. Uh, what if God was one of us? Indeed, God was one of us, and who turns up? Alarm's monster. And that is just, just 
the perfect person yeah, yeah. that Kevin Smith could got to got yeah, to absolutely. play golf. And absolutely. Uh, again, little bit of interplay there, like Alan Rickman, you know, just gets a little bit of shit coming on him, and he's like, for fuck's sake, and he uses God's robes to scrub yeah. himself off. Uh, hilarious. And then Jason Mewes is just like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck happened to that guy? Said, Why were you hugging me? Yeah. And then God just kisses him on the cheek, and he passes out. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, but for me, the bit, I've, I've said this before, like, there's a lot of things in this film from a religious aspect as well as comedic, but it's the line that Chris Rock comes out with. I'm going to end on that, which is, yes, uh, I think it's better to have ideas. You can change an idea, changing a belief is a lot trickier. Yeah, absolutely. And, and totally, there, totally, therein totally lies the problem yeah. with religion. Yeah. Oh, what a nice note. So, <laughs> so, number one. Number one for me, and I don't know whether this would be your number one, but it is my uh, number I, I, one. And I think we obviously, agree, as we usually know, do, if uh, we agree on one, <laughs> we save it till the end and then discuss it. So here we go. Uh, so the number one one for me, like say, and and what we're going to discuss together is right. Team America: World Police from two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. So this is a fantastic satire. Uh, essentially mocking the US at the sort of the time around here, which was post Gulf War Two, mm-hmm. pretty sure, um, and was around the time when Hans Blix, Brick, uh, Hans Blix, yes, that was his name. He Hans Blix. Yeah, because he calls him Bricks. Yeah, because he's they're doing the L to R thing. Um, during the the GW times, it would have been, uh, and Hans Blix was supposed to be going and looking at for Saddam's Mac, WMDs and all that. So they basically sub out Saddam Hussein for Kim Jong Il, and Kim Jong Il is planning terrorist attacks all over the world. And Team America, because you know, America, fuck yeah, they're the best thing ever, and they can just go in there and sort everything out for them. Um, it, it, oh God, it's. Yeah, it, I mean, it's they, mocking the American thing yeah. at the time, which was, we can keep the whole world in check. Yeah. You got a problem, you yeah. call America. Yeah. We'll send the army yeah. in, you know? And it's like, okay, but we don't want you. Yeah. And then within the first, what, five, ten minutes, they've destroyed half of Paris. Yeah. They've destroyed the Eiffel Tower. They've destroyed the Champs-Élysées. Yeah. They've destroyed the Louvre. And they're just like, yeah, we win! One for the good guys! Yeah, exactly, what and the all fuck? the French people in the back going, what the fuck have you done, yeah. you fucking dickheads? Yeah. Like, you're just being twats. Yeah. Uh, this is from Trey Parker, Matt Stone, mm-hmm. of South Park fame, obviously, basketball, orgasmo. Um, and it's it's all done with marionettes. Yes. A la Thunderbirds, of, of the olden times, not new Thunderbirds. It's so good, though. Like, re-watching this, like... Yeah. How detailed, how amazing this shit looks. But I still love that occasionally you can see the wires. Yeah, uh, that's, there's, but that's the parody of it. Yeah. Where, they're, where they're pointing at things. Yeah. And they're not pointing anywhere. It's like over here, like there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what, what, what are you looking at? And they're just not pointing at the thing that they're supposed to be pointing at yeah. because of the wires and the strings yeah. and stuff. Um, it leads to a fucking hilarious sex scene. I was just, I literally, that was it. I yeah. was just like, the most ridiculous yeah. puppet sex scene. Ever. And it also pokes fun at all the celebrities at the time that were part of the Screen Actors Guild, headed by Alec Baldwin, who were trying to get their voices into the, facts. the, the thing. Exactly, well, yeah, it was sagging the real world. <laughs> they change it to the Film Actors Guild, <laughs> yeah. so that they are fags. Because then later on there's, good going fag, mm-hmm. you did a nice job fag. And one of those fags just happens to be... Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Because everyone else can talk, apart from Matt Damon, who just says... Matt Damon. Um, I I love the computer intelligence. intelligence. Yeah. 
okay, man, this is what we're gonna do. It like sounds like a surfer dude, but then there's a bit later on where it's all gone wrong. Yeah. And, and Spottiswood, who's the, the sort of chief of this team, is going, that was bad intelligence. Yeah. That was very bad yeah. intelligence. And he's like, I'm sorry. <coughs> It's funny what you were saying about that opening sequence as well. The more you, the more you watch it, and they did this deliberately because I do know a bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff mm -hmm. with it, um, like the sets. Um, what they did was showed us that first bit is Paris, yeah. yeah. We, we know it's Paris because yeah. the Eiffel Tower, like you said, yeah. after Champs Elysees, the Louvre, all that. They're not all that close to each other. No, in real life. Yeah, yeah, of course. But what they wanted to do was create the places with the American perception of these places. So as far as the Americans are concerned, yeah. that's all within walking distance of each other in Paris, it's fine. Whereas it's not, as we know. Well, so they designed the set that showed everything being destroyed, so all the landmarks could get destroyed, because otherwise they, uh, the Yanks don't know what it is, so they're poking fun at themselves. And then they show the American landmarks as full-size, real... Yeah. Yeah, okay, right now... And I then when you go to Egypt yeah, again, yeah. the Sphinx, yeah. the Great Pyramids, Which the Marquistrat, they're all within the same thing. Yeah. And again, the sets, um, I remember watching a little background thing on. Um, in Egypt, like basically they used real-life items to make the sets. So in Egypt, the palm tree leaves are actually $1 bills. And oh if you God. pause it and look, you it's can occasionally see the, the little markations. So they used real stuff to then change and make into the buildings for things. I mean, obviously that leads to the hilarious signal Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. being in trouble, which apologies, audio listeners, I'm flailing my hands about in the air. Go and watch the YouTube version if you want to see what I'm doing. But that is so funny, that yeah. little sequence. Um, and yeah, they're just convinced of their own brilliance the whole yeah. time. So the plot of this is that they need, uh, one of their main guys dies, they want to put someone undercover in, in, uh, in the terrorist cell, so they need an actor. So they go and get Gary. Because he's the best actor, and he's in. Oh Christ! What is it? It's a piss take of Rent. Yeah, it's Lease. 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 It's Lease. It's Lease. 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 The Lease musical. On and they're doing eight, 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 yeah. eight. Oh eight, God! Eight, eight. Oh, that was it. Like, as soon as you eight. suddenly start the eight song, I'm like, fuck! I forgot about this as well. And then, oh God! What's the other song? Um, Pearl Harbor sucked, and I miss you. Oh, it's oh, so funny. So, like Cuba Gooding needed a bigger part, mm -hmm. he's way better than Ben Affleck. And just, this is the song that's going on in the background, and then in the foreground what we've got happening is a puppet-sized puppet mm -hmm. on a puppet-sized bike yeah. being having a montage of driving around to places in the US that make him feel something, and they're obviously all full-size. Yeah. And there's even a mistake where the bike falls over. And the, 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 the puppet just stacks it and they've yeah. left that in, yeah. because it's fucking hilarious. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, oh God, there's so much in it. Um, my, I mean, the, my favourite bit from all of it is, is the, 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 the crux of the argument at the end. The, you, you've got dicks, you've got pussies, and you've got assholes. Yeah, you've got, so you've got, uh, the Americans are dicks, because mm -hmm. they just want to fuck everything up. Yeah. They just want to fuck. The pussies don't like getting fucked, and they want to stop everything that's good. They want to stop the dicks, because the dicks fuck them, so they don't like it. And then you've got the assholes, like Kim Jong-il, who just want to shit all over everything. And it's just that way they put it together at the end, which I won't, because I won't do the line justice, but the, the bit at the end where he explains and puts the three things together yeah. in 
perfect synchronicity. It, it's typical South Park, yeah. or it's typical Trey and Matt. Yeah. It's that they are making bang on the right point. They are saying, yes, the Screen Actors Guild are pussies, and the, the Americans are a bunch of fucking dicks. But if it wasn't for the Americans fucking the assholes, the pussies would be covered in shit. So you need some dicks. You need some dicks to fuck the assholes. Because as well as fucking pussies, they do fuck assholes. Now, I know that like one of their films, like they, they try to fit in as many expletives as possible. Is that what you're trying to do with this particular film? No, no, not this particular film. Oh, okay, that's just fine. We I mean, I don't know whether, about, I don't, I don't so. know whether like, Wayne's going to start counting these and then start like, <laughs> what, finding them. Yeah, that's it. Little, or yeah, little yeah, counter. Yeah. How, how many times is people swearing this one? Yeah, okay. Well, you said the worst one so far, so it's okay. I'm all right. I'm still behind you. Um, so, yeah, they... I... Yeah, that metaphor, like I say, they're, they're making exactly the right point, they just use hilarious, almost childish terminology to describe it, but it makes perfect fucking sense, and it's so clever, but, and this is what annoys me a little bit about them, because I think people just go, yeah, but you're just doing toilet humour, you're being stupid, yeah, as we discussed before, yeah, yeah, and th you've got to push past that, you've yeah. got to look past what, how they're saying it, and look at what they're saying. Because if you're not listening to what they're saying, regardless of the terminology they're using, then you're not going to get the point. And their point is always, I feel, bang on. Yeah, no, most definitely. It's one of those ones where, as with South Park episodes, foreshadowing, um, this is one of those movies which actually you go back and watch that now and you just laugh and you go, okay, it may not be King John Il, it's King John Who now. Yeah. The scenario is still the same. That's it. You can still fit, and that's why I don't like because it has dated. Mm. Who knows? Who oh yes, it has. Who knows yeah. who Hans Blix is these days? No idea. Not fucking clue. No, unless no. you knew at the time that no. he was the UN man trying to find the WMDs. Again, that was just but, like, because so you it's the way the media put, was. You like say the the three main parts of it. You can put like you say different people from the modern day into those three roles, yeah. and you still get the same result. So. Yeah, I think it holds up really well, and it's, mm -hmm. it's probably my favourite comedy of all time. Mm -hmm. As far as the good lady teaching her indoors, because uh, we watched that one quite early in our relationship as well, because she said she was a comedy film fan, and, and so I was like, oh, well, these are my favourite, you know, some of my favourites, we've got to watch these. So we watched that, and her exact lines, her exact line was, ooh, that one was a long time ago, wasn't it? I still remember the sex scene. <laughs> I just like, okay, fair enough. That's that's that's. If that's the quote yeah, you want okay, me to go, with. that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that one, I I know she liked that one. Well, that, one <laughs> that one tickled her funny bone. It really did. And like I say, it does me. It's d d oh, Kim Jong Il is a cockroach at the end as well. It, it is. It's just oh, yeah. Just uh, so, it's just so funny. So so hilarious. funny. So hilarious. Ah, you have big balls. I love your balls. The Chechnyan terrorist. Oh dear. Go on. Have you got any more to no, say? No, I've got nothing more to say. I think you I'm sorry, I've kind of railroaded that one. But no, that's quite all right. That's I, absolutely fine. I love that film. No, um, that's fine. Um, um, but, but before we end, mm. it's a lovely t-shirt you've got on. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I'm going to stand up a little bit. I don't know whether I will be seen, but I'm going to do this. Ooh. See, Fluffy would be showing you his full t-shirt, but we had pizza before this, and he's put pizza down. I'm a grown man. I can find my mouth. Look at this. If you like this, let us know. We only have two at the minute, because they're prototypes. Well, but if you like the idea, one, and you're interested, get in touch. Comments are down there, I think, somewhere. Down here somewhere. Again, please don't point at your penis. Normally. I'm not pointing at my penis. Point in the comments section. Okay. Um, so the comments are down there, or if you don't, leave us a comment on your platform of choice, or go to facebook.com forward slash the screen masters at the top there. 
you will find a link to all the places you can find us, a link to the Patreon, a link to the Bikeback Media Network YouTube page, where you can find this lovely podcast in a video format, should you decide to come and join us. So, thank you very much for listening, stroke watching, if you have been. Uh, I have been Bath, I've been Fluff, and this has been Screen Masters. Thank <laughs> you.